All right, good morning. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about walking in righteousness, part four, moved with compassion. So, um, last week, we talked about how, uh, basically, righteousness is hinged on love. And how that true righteousness, um, when we're walking in Christ, it always leads us to love. Like, uh, and that we're living from the we're living from the resurrection. We're not living to the resurrection. In other words, we're not living um, to righteousness. We're living from righteousness. Okay. And so we have to live with the mentality of this is now our very identity. This is who we are. We now are like Jesus. We're being made into the express image of Christ. And so. Um, he is love. It says in the first John, it says that God is love. And so if we're being made into um, the same image as, as God, if we're being made into the image of Christ, and it says also in Second Peter that we are partakers in the divine nature, then that means that we are going to become love. This is what we're, we are moving towards. And this is now the new commandment, the scripture says. Okay? Uh, we are now going to be entering into love. And Jesus says that the, the two greatest commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. He says the entire law hinges on these two things. So it's interesting that while the law which condemned us, okay, Jesus didn't say he comes to abolish the law. He says he came to fulfill the law. And then he comes and says that love is what the entire law hinges on, okay? So, the law hinges on love. So, he says, I didn't come to the, not to abolish, but to fulfill. See, Jesus came to fulfill the law, and now we become the righteousness of God by nature in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We become the righteousness of God. We become like Jesus. We are able to fulfill the law because we are now a new nature, which is love. This is so cool. So, we're able to fulfill the law simply because of our love. Simply because of our faith in Christ. Because He's the one who fulfilled the law for us. But also, it moves us to this thing that the entire law hinges on. Love. Um, and this is what we're called to. It's so cool. So, um, if you'll go to... You can mark it down in your notes. John chapter 15. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. We're talking about now being clean, or even being uh, made righteous before God. So the word of God is what makes you clean. That's so cool. Oh man, that's so awesome. Sorry, we run this recovery house, and you are clean by the word of God. That's so awesome. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. I just want to speak an encouraging word. There are people that get clean, and then they mess up. You know? And I want to speak an encouraging word. You are not clean by your clean date. You are clean by the word of God. Amen. And if, man, Jesus is awesome. You are clean because of the word he's spoken to you, not because of your ability to be clean. Not because of your ability to walk the straight and narrow. You are not made righteous by that. You are made righteous by the very word of God. You are made clean by the very word of God. That's so good. 
Man, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is important. This is, so, this is key to walking in victory um, and walking in righteousness. Okay? <clears throat> you can do nothing apart from me. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown in the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. All right, now we're talking about this new authority that he's giving us. He's giving us this new authority, this new standing with God. See, this is the thing about the people of God, man. They had favor with God in the Old Testament when they were walking in righteousness. When they obeyed the law, then all the blessings of the law in Deuteronomy chapter 28, they overtook them, okay, because they were walking in righteousness. They would get what they needed and get what they wanted, and they would live in prosperity because they were abiding by the law. Well, Jesus Christ helps us abide the law, okay? Jesus Christ helps us keep the law. So therefore, we walk in the same blessings as the Israelites, okay? This is why we do believe in being prosperous. I'm not talking about being this hyper-prosperous where it's just all about me, 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 me. That is not walking in righteousness. That's walking in selfishness, and that's not dying to self. However, if we're walking in Christ, we should be blessed to be a blessing. Like, the reason why we're blessed is so that we can change the world, you know? I can, money shouldn't be driving us, but you can't get nothing done without money. You know what I'm saying? So... There's this thing, it's like, we can make a difference with the things that have been given to us. And if we're just spending on selfish gain, then that's not really walking with Jesus. You see what I mean? Um, Alright. And I'm not saying you should necessarily, not, not necessarily enjoy some things, but your life's not your own. You know? Does that make sense? Your life's not your own. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch, right? So, let's find a word. Okay, so it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By my, by this, my Father is glorified. By what? The fact that you can abide in him, ask whatever you wish, and get it. <laughs> by this, my Father is glorified. That's pretty cool. Like, a lot of people think that God just gets glory whenever, you know, well, he didn't answer my prayers. Well, God's, to God be the glory, right? They'll say that all the time. Well, it's for the glory of God, you know. But right here it's saying that God gets glory when your prayers are answered. That's pretty cool. God gets glory when your prayers are answered. That you bear much fruit. What is that? Fruit that comes from Jesus through your life. You know, answered prayers, kingdom work, loving on people, forgiving people, walking in mercy, that's the, that's the fruit. When people are lives, people's lives are being changed because of your witness, that's the fruit Jesus is talking about. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. Wow. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That's pretty cool. Jesus loves us with the same love that the Father loves him. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That's that's harsh, man. It's like, if you keep my commandments. So now we're talking about how you're already made clean by the word. But now, Jesus, you're saying in the same passage, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. See, it's kind of weird now. Now it seems like it's works-based faith again, right? And I don't believe that. I believe that it's really a faith-based work. 
when we are clean and we start knowing who we are in Christ, then we do abide in his word and we do keep his commandments. That's what happens. It's natural. Okay? <clears throat> uh, it's like this. You were this old tree that was sick and dying. as a bad tree. bore, bore bad fruit. Came in there with an axe and we chopped it out by the roots and tore it completely out. We put a new seed which made you clean. That seed made you clean. That's what the word is. Matthew chapter 13 says the word of God is the seed. So when they put the seed in your life to create a new tree, you were clean by the word that was given to you. Okay? But now you've got to bear good fruit. Or you're just that old sick tree again. See what I mean? You've got to make sure those roots don't come back up. You know? Uh... So it's talking about here, it, it, you're made clean. It's so interesting. When we get righteousness from God that's not from ourselves, lest anyone should boast, we're talking about entering into this access, okay? Entering into this point where now we're righteous with God. Like, when we enter into it, that, that had nothing to do with you. But now that you're in it, now you got a lot of work to do. You see what I'm saying? It's so interesting. Um, and a lot of people just want to, they, they want big government. That's how, that's how I like to put it. They, they want God to be completely in control and they have no say so now. You know. And that's not true. That's not what... That we, we are co-laborers with Christ. Like when we come with Christ, now we have stuff to do. You know. We have things to get done. And we have commandments to keep. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Right? Verse 11. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Alright, so what is the commandment that we keep? Verse 12 says, this is my commandment, that you may love one another as I have loved you. So this is what, so we're now free from the condemnation of the law, but now we enter in by faith. We're made clean by the word of God. Our righteousness is there because of the word that God gave us. But now we have a commandment, and the commandment is what the entire law hinges on, which is love. You see? This is the only commandment you have to love. Man, and there's a lot of scripture that talks about love. Love is patient. So I love this, man. People are like, well, I have a hard time, you know, um, being patient. I'm just not a very patient person. Then you're not a very loving person. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. I just can't give a lot because kind, kindness has... I'm, I said I wasn't going to do that. <clears throat> love is patient. Love is kind. Kindness has to do with generosity. Do you give? Well, I just can't give very much. Well, then you just don't love very much. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at I've struggled with this, you know? Okay, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Man, I want what that other person has. You know? Or love does not boast. Hey, look what I have. Love can take a lot. Love can give a lot. Love doesn't want other people's stuff. Love doesn't brag about what it's got. Love's not bad. It's not, okay, watch this. It's not uh, arrogant or rude. What is arrogant? This is all in, in I believe, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It may be 2 Corinthians chapter 13. really hope I'm not messing that up. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is not arrogant or rude. You know what that means? Arrogant means you listen. It means you, like it. Love does is not arrogant, which means because arrogant means that they don't listen to you. They just they think they know everything. See what I'm saying? They're not going to listen. So love listens, and love doesn't interrupt. 
That's what root is. Interrupt. So interesting. Takes a lot. Gives a lot. Doesn't want other people's stuff. Doesn't brag about what it's got. It listens. It doesn't interrupt. Love's not arrogant or rude. It's not self-seeking. What's the other one? Love's not self-seeking. It is not easily irritable or easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love is not irritable. It's not keeps no record of wrongs. Why is it not irritable? It doesn't get angry quick because it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Okay, so, man, why am I always so grumpy in the morning? Because you don't know how to love. <laughs> this is good. It's hard. <laughs> but this is the truth, and this will set you free. Okay, so, why am I so irritable? Man, why I got so mad all the time? Because you're grumpy and unthankful, and you don't know how to love. Which, this is easy to learn. All you got to do is study Jesus and let Jesus take over you. See, you can't do this in yourself. This is supernatural. It says, he who abides in me. He who abides in me. You can't do nothing apart from me. Man, I can't do this without Jesus. There's no way that I can love like this without Jesus. It's a supernatural love. It's a God love. And if you ask people, hey, do you know how to love? And then you go down this list, they're going to be like, wow. Wow, really? I did not know. I didn't know. This is why it's so important, man. People always make fun of me. I know they're not really making fun of me. They're just irritated. That I'm so happy all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a joke sometimes. You know? But it's because, dude, I, I, have, I have a lot to be thankful for. You know? And I, and I try to focus on that every day. When I wake up in the morning, my first thing... And there's another way I help, help to overcome um, my grumpiness. First of all, when I wake up in the morning, I'm very thankful for another day to preach the gospel. I got one more day that I can win another soul. Or to help somebody else get up off their feet. You know what I mean? And that, I felt that way when I was working at my secular job too. Not just in the workplace. Like I knew that today I'm going to go work at AT&T or at CC's Pizza or at Hastings. And I'm going to have the opportunity to smile at my customer and make their day. You never know what they're going through. Listen, I, I went down to McDonald's the other day. went to the drive-thru. And I said, you have a good day. She's, oh, thank you. And uh, I said, you, you, you need to have a good day because you make everybody else's day good. And she's like, what? You know? She didn't understand what I'm saying, you know? Why? Because she's a drive through lady. And you think, oh, well, my life is purposeless because I work at McDonald's in the drive through Come on. You can smile at every single customer that comes through there and make their day. You don't know how, have a clue what's going on. You know, most people that are going through the drive through they're in a rush. They're probably really stressed out about stuff. And if you smile at them and say, have a good day, or even sneak something in like, Jesus loves you, God bless you, and don't get fired. But, well, I don't know, you might get fired. I don't know, I got, I almost got fired, so. <laughs> you gotta preach the gospel, man. I'm not saying that you wanna be a, not be a blessing to your boss, but I guarantee you, if you're telling people, God bless you, you know, have a good day, I guarantee you people are gonna be blessed by that, and your, your employer's just gonna be blessed, you know. My point is this, you, you have the opportunity, I don't care where you are, to make a difference in your neighbor. You have to make a difference in whoever you're seeing. Because let's say you're not doing, maybe you're a dishwasher at a restaurant. Who are you working with, man? The people coming back in the, in, in the, in, in the back to wash dishes or bring dishes? Your, your fellow co-workers. Listen, a lot of those people have miserable lives, man. Miserable lives. And if you're the only light that they see, like we just got to stop taking for granted uh, people who flip burgers. We got to stop taking it for granted 
People who make pizza, I used to work at CC's Pizza. And I used to ask myself, man, what's the purpose of being here? You know, I'm not making a difference. But I was. I had to get over myself. Man, I am making a difference. I'm working here, and these people's lives are not very good that I'm working with. And I'm probably the only Jesus that they're ever going to see, they're ever going to get witness to. Because they're not going to go to church. You know? I couldn't even go to church. I was working 80 hours a week. 60, 80 hours a week. So I'm bringing church to, to work. You know? I'm loving on people while I'm there. I'm encouraging them, giving them encouraging words, speaking life into them. I remember this one person coming to me, and she's complaining about her boyfriends. Well, so-and-so, they, they're always messing me over, da-da-da. I said, listen, I said, I said, well, why, if you fish at the bottom of the sea, you're going to get catfish. Where are you finding your boyfriends? At the bar. Well, that's the answer. That's the problem. Quit going to the bar to find your men, because there's no good men at the bar. You know, and she didn't really, I mean, she listened to it and she took it to heart, you know, we're still friends today, you know, and, and so my point is though, that we've got to be able to speak truth to people and we've got to be able to bring life to people and love people no matter where we're at. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a preacher to bring the good news of Jesus, you know, and so many times we just feel like I'm just of no purpose. M make your life purposeful. You choose when you wake up every single day to say thank you for this day that I can further the kingdom of God. So this is why I wake up happy every day. Also, when I go to bed, I always look forward to waking up so I can spend time with Jesus. I'm like, I'm going to bed. It's like Christmas morning for me. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> Keeping your eyes focused. This is why Jesus says, abide in me. You know what that means? It means to dwell in. It's, it means almost like consumed. If you are consumed by me, then you will do my commandments, and you will love one another. The only way to live a life full of love, all of these attributes, is to be consumed with Jesus. To be consumed with Jesus. All right, we'll keep going. So, it says right here. So, whatever you ask the Father in my name... Oh, I'm sorry, let's go up here. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love as no one than this... That someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the father in my name. He may give it to you. Again. We're talking about answered prayers. These things I command you. So that you will love one another. I mean, and watch this, this is so cool. Abide in me, you'll bear much fruit, you'll get whatever you ask for in prayer, so that you'll love one another. It all comes down to loving one another. The whole thing, the whole purpose is to love. Like, why am I going to get my prayers answers? Because somehow, it's going to fulfill the love of the Father. If I'm praying for stuff that doesn't help me further the love of the Father, then it may not be really abiding in the Lord. You see what I mean? It's abiding, being consumed by, you know? Your only purpose to live is for the kingdom of God. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember, the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. So this is now saying, hey, you know, you might get what you want because you're going to pray for it. And you're going to get it in prayer, but it's not going to be easy. This is so cool. Right in the same passage. 
Everybody's like, well, you know, if I'm going to get whatever I want, it's going to be perfect for me. He's saying there's, you, you have to have a purpose behind what you're doing, and you're following the Lord with all your heart. You ask whatever you get because it's going to further the kingdom of God, and they're going to hate you. They're going to hate the snot out of you, you know, and they're going to try to kill you. A servant's no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If you keep my word, they will also, uh, if they kept my word, they'll also keep your words. But all these things they will do to you on account of me, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. Ah. Wow. If I had not done among them the works that, I, that, one, that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. This is good. See, this is talking about the importance of miracles, man. Leaves people with no excuse. Why do we get what we ask for in prayer? Because it'll leave people with no excuse. <clears throat> but the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled. My, they hated me without cause. But when the helper comes, whom I send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. You will meet opposition, but true faith in the grace of God will even love your enemy. We're talking about true love here. Even the people who persecute you, you're going to have to love them. Luke chapter 27 through 31 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. Now this is good. This is awesome. Um, we're talking about supernatural forgiveness. We're talking about what we want God to do for us. You know? Do to others what you basically want God to do for you. Do you want God to forgive you of your sin? Forgive people of their sin. You know what I mean? When you backstab God, and you still want God to love you, you should do the same thing for your backstabbers. This is hard, but this is the truth. You know? Always truly loving people. Always loving our enemies. Praying for those who persecute us. <clears throat> Supernatural love. Supernatural love. And it always leads um, to even more works of God in your life. This compassion. We're talking about compassion not just for the lost. Compassion even for your enemies. This is, this is hard. But this is, this, is, this is Jesus. James 5, 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So we're talking about here the righteous person, the prayer of the righteous. We're talking about how um, when we go pray and getting what we ask for. We're talking about being moved with compassion. We've talked about last time a whole list of scriptures of how Jesus was moved with compassion. When he healed people, he was moved with compassion. And and people Jesus healed people because of his love for them. And so now then people are gonna be like this. This is when people really this is why people have a hard time believing that um, you know, it's always God's will to heal, because they have a hard time believing that God doesn't love them, right? So the thing is though, they got this stronghold. Um, 
the stronghold of this um, misunderstanding of the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty of God means that you have the final answer. It does not mean, it doesn't, it is the final say so, the final verdict. It does not mean that you control everything. All right? So people think that God's controlling everything. So whenever somebody doesn't get healed, they have a hard time believing that God doesn't love them. So they just say, well, it's just not the will of God because it won't bring him glory. But well, that contradicts everything in the scripture. Scripture says here that it gets glory when we get our prayers answered. Okay? And it goes down now to faith. Believing, actually, and people don't get it because they don't believe God moves like this. So how can they believe for healing and they don't believe God moves like this? See what I'm saying? It's unbelief. They're, they're not believing in a God that answers prayers. They're believing in a God that does whatever the heck he wants to do, whenever he wants to do, and he doesn't really want to help us. He just wants to help himself. Man, why do we portray ourselves on the God? <laughs> God's not like us, man. God is always merciful. God is always compassionate. He's always willing to forgive and always willing to heal. We aren't. We aren't. Somebody comes in and asks us for something. We're like, uh, uh. <laughs> if I give you any money right now, I can't go get my coffee. You see what I'm saying? It's about my glory. Come on. I mean, this is what people do. This is what people treat God like. Well, God's like this. Well, if, it's not, if he's not going to get glory out of it, he ain't going to heal you. How is he not going to get glory when he heals you? Come on. I mean, <laughs> how is he not going to get... Ah, that's irritating. Okay. Jesus is awesome. I'm just going to love Jesus right now and not get irritated. I'm going to preach the gospel in love and in truth. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We have a problem. The Bible says right here, Luke chapter 6, he's teaching us about love, about loving our enemies. And he says, give to everyone who asks from you. Why? Because this is what the Father does. He's telling us, give to everyone who asks of you. How many times you see the homeless guy and you don't give anything to him? Nothing. Not even, a, not even food. You know? You don't eat. Look at this. Let's go to, we're talking about the love of God. Look, we're talking about the love of God. Luke, 1 John 3, 17. Says, <clears throat> If anyone has worldly goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him how does god's love abide in him <laughs> sorry i'm laughing that's hard that's mean I, man Jan, john don't say stuff like that that hurts you know that hurts it hurts hurts me hurts me you know i ain't perfect in this i'm just trying to what i'm trying to say is Jesus is saying, give to anyone who asks of you. And 1 John says, if you have the means to help somebody and you close your heart off to them, how does the love of God abide in you? What they're saying is God's not like that. When we ask God for something, he gives it to us. God's not like that. He doesn't close his heart off to us when he sees us in need. This is really powerful. We're talking about how God moves. God operates in love. God doesn't close his heart off to us. I'm going to write that down. God does not close his heart off to us. God does not close <clears throat> his heart off to us. When we are in need, you can ask what you need, and he's going to give it to you. He's going to give it to you. The Bible says that <clears throat> if a man does not provide for his own children, then he's worse than an unbeliever. Do we not think that God holds himself to that same standard as a father, as a heavenly father? God provides, man. When God says, you're my son, not it's God's duty to take care of you. 
Now, you need to obey him. Sometimes you need to ask him, Lord, what side of the boat do I need to put my nets on? And then God multiplies the fish inside your net. You see what I'm saying? You still have to operate in faith. Faith without works is dead. So this is, this is the thing. This, when we think, uh, when I said the stronghold here, I was talking about the sovereignty of God. People now just want to throw it on God. Well, he's just going to, if God wants to give me the gift of tongues, he's going to, he's just going to give it to me. If God wants to give me the gift of healing, he's just going to give it to me. Well, he doesn't do that with salvation. He doesn't just give you salvation. You have to ask for it and you have to have faith for it and you have to believe and not doubt. Same thing with being healed. Same thing with getting the provision of God. God's provision is already there. What we have to do is we have to realize that it is there, and without a shadow of a doubt, we believe the character of God is good, that God is good, God is perfect, God is great, God wants to take care of us, God wants to give us what we need, God even wants to give some of us what we want. Amen. We have to believe the goodness of God. Why? Because we abide in Christ. Well, if you're not abiding in Christ, the scripture makes it clear that you that's how, this is part, okay, so you have to have faith, but part of faith is abiding. Abiding. Abiding and being consumed by Jesus, man. This is part of the conditions. You hear me? This is part of the conditions of getting your prayers answered. Abiding in Christ. You know? Well, is that a works faith? faith? What about works? What about grace? Yeah, sorry. What about grace? Dude, <laughs> people, <laughs> look, your access to this life was not your works. But now that you're in this life, you have work to do. Does that make sense? You've got to, it says in Hebrews, it says we have to strive to enter into the rest of God. I don't know how that works. We've got to strive to enter into the rest. It's given to you now. See, it's like this, man. Uh, the price that was paid for you to get it is done. But now that you have it, you got to put it to work. Does that make sense? It's like somebody who came and gave you a whole bag of seed. Here's your seed for your harvest next year. And you just sit on it. So somebody else did all the work for you to have a farm. To have something that gives you life. But if you don't go out there and plant the seed now that he's given you, you will not have a crop next year. You see? We're talking about people really misunderstand the grace of God. They really think, well, it's just... No, you have to constantly be applying the grace of God in faith. Always believing that your initial righteousness and, and that your, your everlasting righteousness is in God's hands because he paid for that. He got you into the good graces of God. But now that you're in the good graces of God... You're going to have to start using the grace of God. You see what I'm saying? It's so it's weird to think about, but it actually explains half of the scriptures that deal with losing your salvation. When we realize that we're now walking in grace and that you can fall from grace, not that you fall from the saving grace of God, but you're not applying grace in your life right now. I call it the grace table. You got the, on this whole table, you've got your appetizer, your main course, your dessert, all your sides, you know, and then a bunch of junk food or whatever. It's never, never junk on God's table. You know what I'm saying? We have this grace table and sometimes we get there and we fill up on the bread or we fill up on the salsa and the chips and we never get the steak. We're still full. We still have access to this grace table, but we didn't. 
stomach the whole table. And the promises of God are like that. He gives us all these promises from God. He is now, the grace of God got you to the table in the first place. But now that you're at the table, what is on the table and what can you have? And a lot of people, they just say, hey, look, I'm sitting at the table. Yay, I'm at the table. But I ain't going to eat nothing. That's what, really? Like we don't, every time we talk about that banqueting table that God invites all the people from the street off to, right? Hey, nobody came to my wedding. So, you know what? Scrap all those people. Forget them. They can't come now. Just go get the people off the street. So he goes out there and gets all the homeless people, all the people on the street. They come in there, and they're now at the banqueting table. But guess what? They don't just sit at the banqueting table. They now eat. There's a lot there. And when they're done, they come get seconds. And they bring more out there. And they keep filling their drink cups up. And it's constant. It's uh, overflowing. They're like, like this is again, man. Their, their stomach's so fat because they're eating so much. But we barely even nibble. We, uh, you know what? Jesus saved me. I'm going to heaven. Done deal. Okay, done. I'm not going to serve God anymore. I'm just going to go to heaven. We have so much more to do. We have prayers to get answered. <laughs> we have people to get healed. We have miracles to be done. We have salvation. We have kingdom work to get done. And we are totally selling ourselves short of this Christian life just by getting our ticket to heaven. And that's not what it's even about. You know? Jesus says, he who endures to the end will be saved. There's this thing about it, man. It's bigger than just getting your ticket to heaven. That might not even be what it's about at all. When Jesus explained the kingdom of God, he, he didn't make it real simple. I mean, he made it simple, but he didn't make it simple like, well, it's just this little thing and then it's over. He explained how, you know, how this thing brings life. You know, it's not just for you. Man, if you got saved so you can go to heaven, you got saved for a very selfish reason. That's not love at all. And then if you stay there, love's not in you because it's not changing you. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Selfish, that selfish thing, you know, well, I'm going to preserve my life. I don't want to go to hell. That fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it's not the completion of what God has for you. He wants you to operate in love. And Jesus says here, if you don't keep my commandments, you don't love me. You know? So there, I, there you see the people who just got in it to get to heaven when they die, they might not even be saved. See what I'm saying? They missed what grace was about. They missed what God had to offer. They missed the gospel. The gospel was much bigger than just getting to heaven when you die, you know? And that's dangerous, man. It's so dangerous to just get out there and get on the street and tell somebody, hey, say this sinner's prayer. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. Time out. Let me, let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go. We sh it, I'm saying it's dangerous because if they don't have a real transformed relationship with God and have the Holy Spirit come inside of them, and you're not there to help cultivate that seed, it can be dangerous. It can be dangerous. And next thing you know, they never the, the seed was taken up. The seed we planted was just taken up by the by the by the birds. Now, we'll go back for a minute. It doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that we can't go out there and witness to somebody to get Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes inside of them and they just and they're for a real change, a real conversion, and now they're seeking God with all their heart. Okay, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I'm not saying that. And and, and we're not necessarily even responsible for what's happening in their hearts. You see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm trying to cover something here because if I say don't ever go out and preach the gospel, then I'm, that's wrong. That's wrong. I'm not saying that you don't go out there and preach the gospel and do um, what I call hit and run ministry. I did that for a long time. You know what I mean? Hit and run, man. Just go out there and preach the gospel. Get out there, you know? We should do that, you know? What I'm just saying is sometimes uh, when it's only about the salvation card, and not about discipleship. 
then we run a high risk of really damaging some people, you know, and they're not serving God anymore. Does that make sense? That's all I want to say about that. I'm not trying to bash evangelism because I am very evangelistic. And I know that's love. You've got to share the gospel. But I'm also trying to say that sometimes we receive a false gospel. Like when we preach the gospel, you need to tell people that it's going to cost them in their entire life. They need to know that. Jesus, When Jesus called somebody to come follow him, he told them that. That was one of the opening terms and conditions. If you don't pick up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. We need to make that clear with people. You know, We don't need to be so concerned. What it is is this uh, rescuer mentality. I really want him to, go to get saved and go to heaven. So I'm going to do this you know, uh, canned um, evangelism technique, and hopefully they'll get it. You know what I mean? When the truth is we want them to really get it. We want them really to have their life changed by Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Really giving their heart to Christ and letting it really transform them. All right. Faith and love is the answer to walking in righteousness. And again, you see that when this happens, it gives you access to answered prayers. Luke chapter 18. As he drew near to Jericho, Luke 18, verse 35. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what, is, what, it, what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in the front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want for me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him. Glorifying God and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. All right, so this is cool. What we're talking about here is we're seeing that, that Jesus healed people out of mercy. All right, so we're talking about loving. We're talking about giving of your, of, of your worldly means, right? If somebody's in need, giving of your worldly means. Well, if we realize, you can't ever give what you don't have. So if you don't realize what you have, especially this authority to, to heal sicknesses, okay, if you don't realize that you have that, you won't ever give it. You see what I mean? And see, Jesus knew. He was like, look, what do you want from me? And he didn't turn the guy away. The guy was like, have mercy on me. Have mercy. So when Jesus healed people, it had to do with mercy. Mercy and compassion. And last week... I read a bunch of scripture that talked about the compassion of Jesus. And now he healed every time. Mercy and compassion. So when we're going out and we're ministering the gospel, we need to have this. Do you see what I mean? This needs to be inside of us. We need to know. I have something to give. Something to give. When Peter and John came to the gate and they saw the lame man, they see he is begging for money. He says, silver and gold have I not, but this I do have. Get up in the name of Jesus, of Nazareth. <laughs> Brian, golly, come on. I have something to give. You always have something to give. Always have something to give. And when you pray for him, it's not just a kind gesture. Well, let me just pray for you. I want you to know that I'm... Thinking about you. Well, you know what? Your thoughts don't do a hoop to do. Your faith and your prayers move mountains. But but so many times people, when you go to church, okay, when I grew up in church, you know what prayers meant? 
They're equal thoughts. You know why? Because they thought you could pray silently. I don't really believe that. I don't believe you can pray silently. I'm... I believe, therefore I speak, the scripture says. I believe, therefore I speak. We speak to the mountain and it moves. We don't think to the mountain and it moves. I've never thought to a mountain and it's never moved. Anytime I've ever thought to a mountain, it's never moved. Every time when I was really struggling with pornography and stuff, I, I'd be thinking, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. The mountain never moved. It's not until I started speaking and saying, I am the righteousness of God. Get behind me in the name of Jesus. You are a lying devil. Get off of my life. Until I started speaking it, the mountain never moved in my life. Okay? <clears throat> we can't think mountains away. We have to say them away. We have to speak them away. There's power of life and death in the tongue. There are no power of life in the, th in the thoughts. There's, the thoughts are where your faith is birthed, but it's not... No. Thoughts are where your faith is conceived. Speaking is when your faith is birthed. Your imagination is powerful. If you're always thinking about, well, well, I mean, like, you can't speak without thinking, okay? That makes sense? And I'm talking about the thoughts and intentions of the heart, you know what I mean? We're talking about in your heart here. This is why it's so important to fill your mind with the good things of Scripture. It says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of wicked, or sit in the seat of scoffers, or stand in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, which is God's word, and he meditates on it day and night. So thoughts are important. They're important. But they don't birth anything. They conceive stuff. Okay? So it's just the... Does it make sense? It's the beginning. It's important. No, I'm not trying to devalue thoughts. Meditation. Meditation. On his law, he meditates day and night. Watch this. That man is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whatever he puts his hand to, he prospers. So... Thoughts are important. Meditation is important. This is where the seed comes in and it's cultivated. But when you speak is when it comes out of the ground. Does that make sense? The word of God came into your heart. It's just like a seed. It's buried. It's being thought through, meditated. And then whenever you give birth to it, when you speak it and you go do it, that's when it resurrects in your life. The faith is this... Word, it starts with a word, comes into your heart, and has to be resurrected, or has no power. Does that make sense? There's only, there's only power in the resurrection. Only power in the resurrection of the word of God. See, Jesus has been buried in your heart, and he wants to get out. He came into you, and now he wants to get out. He wants to resurrect in your life. He comes in us, and he wants to come out. Does that make sense? He wants to touch the world, he wants to change the world. So we have to... With, Jesus says, John chapter 1 says that the word of God was Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the word, the word was God. And by all the things, the word was made, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that the word of God is Jesus Christ himself. He's the manifested word of God. Okay? Jesus is that word of God. When the word of God comes in our heart, then we have to have it come out. Does that make sense? I believed. It says in Romans chapter 10, it says, You believe with your heart, and with your mouth you speak and are saved. You are justified in your heart, but with the mouth one speaks and is saved. Okay? So salvation, healing, miracles, signs, and wonders always comes through speaking. When we see things happen in our life, when things actually move in our life, it comes through speaking. Make sense? All right. And, and proclaim this. Where am I at here? All right. So he says, uh, Lord, let me recover my sight. 
And Jesus said to him, recover your sight, your faith has made you well. So what's so awesome about this is how many times do we hear that, man? Son, David, have mercy on me. Well, it's just not God's will. Look, God doesn't want to help you. Look, it's just not the timing of God right now. But what does he say? He cried all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Like, this is so cool. Those in front of him rebuked him. This is just like the church, man. Just like the church. We start believing God for something and people start rebuking us. Ah, maybe that's not God's will. How do you know that's God's will? Hey, maybe it's not God's timing. The guy didn't care. And Jesus didn't hear him. He was walking. You know? Son of David, that person, he cries all the more. This is what we need to do. When we're not getting, when we're not getting our prayers answered, we need to cry all the more. <laughs> do not listen to the crowd. Like it's, this is crazy, dude. Like everything told him, no. Hey, these are the people following Jesus. They told him this. That's hard. Think about this. People following Jesus. People who love Jesus. People who cared about Jesus. People who probably died for Jesus. Turned around, looked at this man, and said, hey. He doesn't want to talk to you right now. Hey, it's not God's will. Hey, it's not God's timing. These are people that love Jesus, following Jesus, telling this guy in need, you can't have that. And he said he cried all the more. We, we have got to cry all the more. This is powerful. Faith in the mercy of God. This is humility, and it always wants, wants grace to save. It is not possible to believe in healing Without believing in mercy. We have to believe in the mercy of God. That God wants to heal us out of mercy. Wants to heal us out of compassion. Then we have been shown mercy. Then we must give mercy. Matthew 10 says, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. You receive without paying, give without paying. What I'm trying to say is when we go do these kingdom works, when we go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, we're displaying the love of God. <clears throat> we're bringing the mercy of God with us. And it's not just these signs and wonders. It's when somebody needs something, when they need clothes, you know? When they need shelter. See what I'm saying? <clears throat> Luke 17. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he, if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day return, and turns to, to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, You'd say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and plant yourself in the sea and we'd obey you. Watch this. This is so cool. The other time he did this, he all, okay, so he said this when they, they talked about forgiveness, all right? There, Jesus talks about the faith of a mustard seed several, several times. And I, it makes it sound like there's actually been multiple accounts here. Because one time they come out and they, he curses the fig tree. And the fig tree dies. He comes out and he says, hey, look, the tree that you cursed, it died. He's like, hey, have faith in God. I tell you, if you had faith in mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be moved, right? So he's talking about the supernatural sign of wonder, and then over here he's talking about forgiveness. So what I'm trying to say is, the mountains that we move in our life have to do with mercy. Because right here he's talking about, hey, if, if your brother um, sins against you and, re and repents, forgive him, even seven times. Hey, increase our faith. So what Jesus is actually doing <coughs> is he is hinging, watch this, Signs and wonders, healing, forgiveness, all those have to do with faith in God. Or 
faith in the mercy of God. Or what about this? The character of God and the love of God. Having faith in what in God and what He has to offer. Make sense? All these things, it talks about faith in God and what the cross purchased for us. You see what I'm saying? He's talking about healing. He's talking about forgiveness, signs and wonders. Increase our faith, Lord. We can't forgive like that. Hey, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. You see what I'm saying? Faith actually gets us, faith in the cross, faith in what Jesus did for us, actually gives us understanding on how to forgive. And how merciful God really is to heal the diseases. And how... Good God wants, how much God really wants to answer our prayers. Does that make sense? It all hinges on the, on the cross. It all hinges on the mercy of God. It all hinges on his compassion. He's saying this all falls in line in the same thing. What you're believing for right now is this, you're believing to be able to forgive your brother. The same amount of faith it takes to believe your brother like that is the same amount of faith it takes to move this mountain. The same amount of faith that it takes to curse that fig tree and let it die. The same amount of faith it takes to pray for someone to get healed. The same amount of faith, see what I'm saying? Is it God's will? It's irrelevant. Do you have faith? That's what's relevant. Is it God's will? Of course it's God's will because of his good character. He always wants to heal because of his mercy. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Matthew 17. When they came to the crowd, a man came up. What we're doing, before, what we're doing is we're having a, a hard time believing in these things of the Father. See what I mean? We're having a hard time believing in those things that the Father has to give. <clears throat> Check this out. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he stumble, he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation. I'm going to talk about that because it talks about faithless and twisted. Twisted means that your theology or your understanding of God is messed up. See? He's saying, O faithless and twisted generation, your understanding of how good God is is messed up. Let me fix this. Bring the boy here to me. I'm going to show you how good God is. You see what I'm saying? He's saying you have faith less. You're faithless. You, either you're faithless or you're twisted. Either you absolutely don't believe at all, or you have a twisted understanding of the character of God. And twisted generation, having a twisted understanding of God's mercy. Well, God sometimes has mercy on somebody and heals them. God sometimes doesn't. That's a twisted understanding of the mercy of God. Which leads to faithlessness. Okay? See? Okay, so if we start, see what I'm saying? When we start believing that sometimes God wants to heal and sometimes he doesn't, that's where our faith is. If we believe sometimes God heals and sometimes God does not, then this line of thinking is where our faith is. We believe that God may not heal this guy. Well, Jesus says, be it according to your faith. So, he may not heal this guy. In fact, he probably won't. That's, that's really what I use. That's what happens in our brain. The moment we say, God might not heal this guy. What we're really saying is, God probably won't heal this guy. You know what I mean? Rarely is it, man, God's going to heal this guy. And if he doesn't, I just don't understand. See? Rarely is it like that. Usually it's like this. Well, God could heal him. 
if he wanted to. So now when we start questioning whether God wants to, we start questioning the mercy of God. We start questioning the love of God. Because God, if the Bible says in 1 John that if I see my brother in need and I have the worldly um, possessions to be able to help him and I don't, how can the love of God reside in me? In other words, he, 1 John saying, if God had the, the means to help the guy and he asked of him, then he would give it to him. That's the love of God. That makes sense? If Well, we know God has unlimited resources. So... There's no way why he wouldn't. You see, now we're talking about the character of God at this point. We're talking about, is God good? That's the question. This is where we get atheists. Well, if God was good, why does he allow all this stuff? Because it's not about... Because you, you as an atheist, even though you're an atheist, believe that God's in control of everything. <laughs> you think that God allowed all that stuff. And we're, we're messed up in our thinking. There's, there's something we don't understand. I'm not going to say I understand it 100% either. I'm saying there's some things I'm even working out, but I do know this. It's not God's will that they be sick. And it's not God's will that they perish and go to hell. It's God's will that they be saved. See? So we have to believe that just like God has the unlimited resources and he's able to meet the needs. So we also, if we had the need, the, the, the means to help, we would help. It's a matter of God's love. Not a matter of whether God's willing. Because if God loves you, he is willing. It's good stuff. <clears throat> so this is right here. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? In other words, your thinking's messed up. It's aggravated me a little bit. <laughs> bring, <clears throat> bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the boy was healed instantly. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said, Because of your little faith. Or in some translations it says, Unbelief. For truly I say... If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be done and nothing will be impossible for you. We need to realize the mercy that God truly has for us. That takes faith to believe it. And dying to self. In some translations it says, but this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And I believe that prayer and fasting really doesn't have to do with the demon. It has more to do with unbelief. Getting rid of your unbelief. When you pray and fast, you don't move God. God already moved 2,000 years ago. We have to get moved out of the way. We're the problem, not God. You can't move God. Like, this is a problem. Woo. We can't move God. We got to move ourselves. When we move ourselves out of the way, unbelief dies and faith arises. So prayer and fasting does that. You know, when we pray, we, we enter in communion with God and we enter into intimacy with Him and we get to know Him more. When we fast, we actually kill our knowing of the world. Let's put it that way. When we fast, we sever ties with what our body wants from the world. Does that make sense? And then we, when we pray, we seek into the intimacy of God. So this is how unbelief is removed in our life. Prayer and fasting. When we pray and seek the Lord and fast, this is why Jesus got up hours before the disciples and would pray. Hours. Uh, Miles Monroe said it's a really good thing. I'm just going to quote him. <clears throat> He said one time in one of his teachings, he said Jesus would spend hours with God and minutes with men. But how often you get to a group of church people and they're casting a demon out for an hour, you know, it's because they didn't spend an hour in prayer. They spent maybe 15 minutes in prayer. <laughs> but this kind of only comes out by prayer and fasting. We have got to, in his word, in a sense, get prayed up 
I never liked that a long time ago, but now I understand it. There's this praying up, man. We go into our prayer closet and we pray and seek the Lord and we get in intimacy with him and we fast and we cut ties with the world and we kill our unbelief and our faith arises in that time with the Lord. And then we can go into the world with one minute, pray for somebody and they get healed. Instead of trying to work ourselves up on the street. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and that sounds weird because we always say nothing is impossible with God, right? He says, Jesus says, if we truly had that kind of faith in the mercy of God, then nothing would be impossible for us. And that sounds weird because we always say nothing is impossible for God. But right here it's saying that nothing will be impossible for us. Check this out. If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. This is an empowering. God is empowering his people. Okay? And if we understand that we are really believing in the goodness of God and that he actually wants to save people. We believe that. The Lord spoke to me one time and said, it's not because I don't love them. It's because you don't know how much I love them. They're not... I was talking about, well, some people aren't getting healed, Lord. He goes, it's not because I don't love them. It's because you don't know how much I love them. If you knew how much you love them, they'd get healed every time. And I realized I have, I'm the one having to release this. I'm the one having to release the kingdom of God into the world. We, 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 need to, we need to be focused on the mercy of God through prayer and fasting. We pray, seek the Lord, get to know Him more. We fast, we kill our flesh. We, set, we cut ties with the world, we kill our unbelief. We get into the presence of God, we commune with Him, we get to know Him. And then we can bring Him into the world. And that is walking in righteousness. That is walking in the compassion of God. That's walking in the love of God. God's called us to that. So, In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, for people's work, lives to be changed by this word. And they get out there and have compassion. And they love and have mercy and forgive. And, Father, they are generous. And, Father, they are patient. They, they will operate in the love of the Father. And they really, truly um, sacrifice themselves and become a living sacrifice for you, completely consumed by you and being focused on the Spirit of God so they will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And, and Father, at this point, we're not even focused on not sinning anymore. We're focusing on further the kingdom of God, and it's a whole other ballgame. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, for this word to transform people's lives. And amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Line ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, visit our website at boldasalignedministries.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our Facebook page for weekly updates on what God is doing here. We pray blessing over you and yours and for the passion and courage to walk boldly for God.